You're listening to The Pet Factor, news on pet health, wellness, and the latest in veterinary medicine. Hi, welcome to the next edition of The Pet Factor. I'm Dr. Jim Hosek. And I'm Brittany. Brittany, this week we're going to talk about uh, the blocked cat. Before we do that, let's get into our our pet health news because we got a lot of, it's pretty much all cats today. It is, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I wanted, I saw this article and it's a a food disc coming out that's going to be really kind of neat. We talked a little bit about this before uh, when we're doing the research, but now they're actually getting ready to bring this to market. This is a a game-changing diet that promises relief for people who are allergic to cats. Okay. So this is not a diet that people take. This is a diet they feed to their cats. Oh. So, uh, as we mentioned before, about 20% of people in the world are allergic to cats. Mm-hmm. Um, this new diet can help decrease those symptoms of the wheezing, sneezing, itching, and other signs of the allergies. Mm. So the Purina Institute has announced the launch of Propan Live Clear. I don't know why they call it Live Clear, but that's, that's what they're calling huh. it. So it's the first and only pet food that can reduce the allergens in the cat hair and dander. Okay. So well, the way it works is it's... Using a special egg protein that has an antibody to the protein FELD1 that causes the allergies. And this protein is secreted in the cat's saliva. It's also found in the sebaceous glands. And it's transferred to their uh, their hair and skin when they're grooming and then mm. shed into the environment. Mm. So uh, this basically is a protein source from eggs that contains an anti-FELD1 antibody. Study revealed that about 47% fewer allergens were found in the hair and dander of cats eating the propran live clear starting the third week of daily feeding. Wow, so, so it takes a, a while less to kick than a month, though. Yeah, but it's, it reduces That's it by good. half. Yeah. And they found that the, the re- reduction occurred in 97% of the cats. Wow. So that's a pretty good um, response rate. So 3% of the cats is not going to help that much, but in 97% it will. So as the cat eats the food, this egg protein is coating the kibble. It mixes with the, the protein in the cat's saliva and neutralizes it right there. Okay. So what they did is they decided they didn't want to neutralize 100% of the cat's feline D1 protein um, or alter the cat's production of the allergen. They just wanted to decrease the allergen load to make it more tolerable for the people. Okay. And it, they recommend this be done in conjunction with, not instead of, other allergen-reducing strategies. Okay, so like uh, still taking your allergy pills and things like that. Right, but also, okay. you know, um, hypoallergenic vacuum cleaner filters, okay. um, the, the air filters on your furnace or air yeah. conditioner, all those things need to be done. Okay. So what about safety? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they don't know why cats produce this protein in the first place, um, their goal was to neutralize the protein without impacting the cat's physiology rather than inhibit its production. Okay. So that's why I think they went for something that wasn't going to eliminate it totally. Because what if they did and it actually does something important to the cat? Yeah. For the cat's ability to digest food or other nutritional things hmm. um, or protect it from skin infections or other things that might be going on. So it's going to be available in April. Cool. It's going to be sold in veterinary clinics online and in pet specialty retail outlets. They're going to have three formulas, adult chicken and rice adult salmon and rice, and adult sensitive skin and stomach turkey and oatmeal. Okay, which is great because so, it helps with the cats that have the sensitive stomachs, too. Yeah, they can a lot of options diet. for them that can yeah. still help the owner. It's cool. And then you're telling me you, you saw something else that they're going to be launching with this as well, right? Yeah, I was kind of looking into it because I do have a, I'm one of those 20% with an allergy to cats, and I have a cat. Um, they are coming out with a shampoo um, from the same brand and everything, okay. which is kind of cool. They is said it live was, clear shampoo? Yeah, live clear shampoo. <laughs> wow. They said hypoallergenic does great help 
reduce about 99.9% of it. Um, so once this comes out, it may come out in April with the food. Yeah. I'm definitely going to try some of all of this and see how well it works. I'll be the case study for myself in this <laughs> okay. case. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to update you guys on it and see how well it works for me when, after it comes out in April. Right. Well, I, I can see some people having problems bathing their cats, but boy, if yeah. it's going to make it tolerable to live with them or reduce <laughs> the amount of medications that people have to take, I think mm-hmm. it's well Well, worth this it. shampoo looks really cool too. It looks like one of like the foam ones. So if your cat doesn't oh, mind, so like, like mm hmm, ah, like just getting rubbed down, so, so just spray a little shampoo. mousse on your hand, yeah. rub it through your kitty cat, maybe that can help. But wow, yeah, I can imagine getting the whole cat cover would be yeah, tricky. There, there is a product called Aller Pet C that does something very similar that's okay. been out for a long time. Okay, but hopefully this is updated and make it a lot, lot better for people. Yeah. All right, what's this next right? All right, so I have another <laughs> sorry, fun one for I'm cats. at this picture you've got in front of you. <laughs> so with everything that's going on in the world, everyone's concerned about the coronavirus. Right. Um, apparently, the cats are concerned as well. Um, so, cats are wearing coronavirus mask in China. No, they're not. <laughs> yes, they are. We are going to put a picture up so people who are watching the video or anything can see this picture because okay. it is it's funny. There's a cat with an actual mask on. Um, so, as the Delhi um, coronavirus outbreak continues, pet owners in China are making makeshift masks for their fairy, furry friends. Um, photos on the Chinese social media app Weibo. Uh, shows pets, namely cats, wearing a makeshift mask from traditional surgical masks. The owners are cutting out holes to accommodate the patient's or the pet's eyes and just putting it around their head. Um, The photos were surfaced after China's National Health Commission said that the coronavirus could affect cats and dogs. Are we going to believe the China's National Health Commission? Um, They did so far. (laughs) But the thing is, is it really true? Um, the UC Davis School of Veterinary Medicine said it's not likely, though. <laughs> um, the coronavirus, uh, you know, they tend to be very species-specific. You know, cross-species right. tra- transmission is uncommon. Um, you know, like the, the coronavirus we deal with cats is the FIP virus. Mm-hmm. And dogs have an intestinal coronavirus, but not a respiratory form. So. Yeah, so everyone's kind of got their own form, and yeah. they're concerned. Well, there. I heard that they thought that this might be coming from pangolins. This is little uh, creature that looks like an armadillo. It's got these sort of scaly skin, but I think it's a mammal. And they they uh, use this the little scales for aphrodisiac in China. Uh, oh, I think they use a lot of things for aphrodisiac. Oh, in China. so they got upper respiratory They're for being a little freaky there. over there. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing is, like you said, same thing seems to be true for um, dogs. So everyone has their own form of the coronavirus. Okay. Um, even though canines can con- contract certain coronaviruses, there's no evidence that cats and dogs can be infected with this new coronavirus that the people are getting. Oh, okay. Um, um, well, that makes sense. I, yes. I think that's a little overreaction. <laughs> um, and then what's more, there's little evidence that shows that the surgical masks are doing much good to protecting even the humans um, from spreading this illness. Um, surgical masks don't, you know, they just cover the nose and the mouth, right. but they're uh, often made of flimsy materials. They aren't fixed toward, uh, fitted for the face. Um, there are spaces and gaps that, you know, form around the cheeks and edges of the mouth, making it pretty easy for air yeah. to move in and out and if you're anywhere near that you know virus it is still going to get you right so unless you got one of those full face respirators Mm -hmm. it's kind of silly to wear those i mean unless you're wearing a dark (laughs) face mask like you're you're yeah okay 
All right, well, if you get a chance to go on a YouTube video and look this up, maybe we'll put it on our, uh, our webpage, too. That's just really fun. Yeah. Or just look it up. Uh, Google uh, <laughs> cats with coronavirus masks, and you'll see a lot of pictures there. Yeah, they look like they're about to rob somebody. Okay. All right, let's move on to our health topic of the week. This week, we're talking about the blocked cat. Right. And when I say blocked cat, it means its urinary tract is obstructed. Okay. So they can't get urine out through the urethra. Right. There's several reasons why this happens. Um, it can be... Uh, Crystals and that form a plug in there. Stones can actually block it up. Uh, they can get a mucus plug from inflammatory tissues and, and other things that are going on in the bladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can have uh, an stricture in the urethra that prevents the urine from getting out or even a tumor in that area. Mm-hmm. When this happens, it causes a buildup of pressure in the bladder. And that actually starts to kill the bladder tissue, the, especially the mucosa, mm-hmm. the lining of the bladder. And that pressure can back up through the ureters into the kidneys. And it can actually cause kidney damages mm-hmm. too. Uh, they did a, a retrospective study looking at the last 19 years of cats coming into uh, teaching clinics, and they had about 1.5% of the cats were presented with these urethral mm-hmm. obstructions. That's quite a few cats yeah. coming in for that. We used to see it a lot more, and I think uh, when they first discovered that these were related to dietary issues, all the pet food manufacturers reformulated their diets, and the incidence of it dropped by mm-hmm. probably about 95%. That's good. Um, so we used to see these every week. Now if we see them a couple times a year, that's that's mm-hmm. not unusual. So there's still a few cats where the mm-hmm. diets, the regular diets are just not enough, or they have these other causes for that. Mm-hmm. Um, when we see the symptoms that with these cats, the, the most common thing is that people say they're in the litter box crying. Yeah. It's just they're maybe getting a few drops of urine out or nothing at all. It's mm-hmm. really painful for these guys. As the disease progresses and the the toxins start building up in their system, uh, they can have vomiting, decreased appetite. They get lethargic. They get weak. They're mm-hmm. mentally dull. They're increased respiratory rate. Um, they get cold. They become hypothermic. Mm-hmm. Their heart rate slows, and they can actually just collapse and actually almost go into a coma. Yeah, that kind of happened to my cat. He was partially blocked, and I went to pet him, and he just kind of fell right over right in front of me. And I was like, oh, you want a belly rub? But no, he's just sick. Ah. Well, on our physical exam, the most common thing we're going to do, we feel that belly, we're going to feel that large, painful bladder. Mm-hmm. Um, in very rare cases, the bladder can actually pop. Oh. And leak into the abdomen. I've had bladders where I've been feeling it, and it just pops like a water balloon in your abdomen. Mm. Those are the worst because it usually means that 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 bladder has been so damaged by that pressure, it's it's dead. Yeah. Not much we can do at that point. Um, they're going to be dehydrated usually because they're not drinking a lot. They may be vomiting. Um, the slow heart rate is because of a buildup of potassium in their blood because they can't excrete it through their kidneys. Mm. We'll see elevation of the kidney uh, values, the BUN, the creatinine. Um, we'll see low sodium. Um, in addition to potassium being elevated, phosphorus and calcium are often elevated too. And they can get a condition called acidosis in their blood where the, the pH in the blood starts getting too low. Mm. Um, when we do get a urine sample from these cats, and there's a lot of debate whether you do a urine sample before or after you drain the bladder. Some cases you have to do it because you can't get a catheter in. But we'll see blood in there, protein, crystals, yeah. if the crystals are the cause, cast, and sometimes bacteria. Although, oddly enough, bacteria are not, bacterial infections are not often associated with these. Um, if we're going to do an x-ray, which is a good idea because we're going to look for stones. Yeah. If they've got stones, we need to get those out and get them analyzed. Um Ultrasound is another good way for us to evaluate them because it's much more effective at picking up smaller stones in Mm -hmm. the bladder. And it can tell us if there's free fluid in the abdomen that might indicate there's a leak or a rupture of the bladder going on as well. 
when we uh, we can do an EKG and we're going to see the changes typically related with that high potassium. So the slow heart rate. Um, there's several parts of the uh, electrical activity in the heart. They have a P wave, a QRS complex, and a T wave. The P wave is the atrium, the upper chambers of the heart contracting. That might be decreased on the EKG. The QRS complexes get wider, so it takes longer for the heart to do its contraction. And the T waves become very peaked and tall. Mm. It's a very distinctive feature of the EKG that we see with the elevated potassium. Okay. Um, one thing I did want to ask, you said the bladder could, the bladder could rupture. Right. How long will it take for a block cat for the bladder to actually rupture? Uh, it might take a few days. Days, okay. Yeah, and there are we've had cases where um, the cats have have been uh, treated and they just have, were being drained by by hand by a cystocentesis, mm. and the bladder just kept allowing to get very full and very full, and that can, that can do it too. Repeated enlargements mm. can do that. Okay. Yeah, um, I had one time I had a kitten that uh, the other kitten was chewing on his urethra oh. and it swole up and he couldn't pee and by the time they brought him in the bladder had pretty much died oh. there wasn't anything we could do for that kitten and how long does it take for them to like pass from that like naturally if if you're if you don't do anything within two to three days they're in a coma yeah yeah oh. but within one day they're they're so painful that most people are going to yeah. be bringing them in yeah. the problem is if you're not home or the cat's outside or something they may mm-hmm. not, you may not notice it uh-uh. basically when you have a urinary obstruction in a cat it's an emergency yeah so if you see your cat's training in a litter box get them to the emergency clinic if it's after hours get them to your vet right away call and let them know you're on the way we're going to start an iv we're going to get them on some fluids mm-hmm. even if we haven't relieved the obstruction we want to try and get that potassium level down by giving them some fluid therapy and then we're going to sedate them so we can get a catheter passed and yeah. get that obstruction. Now, if the cat's already almost comatose, a lot of times we don't need to sedate those yeah. cats. We could just doing it. So we're going to take a, uh, a small rigid catheter, and we're just going to insert that into the urethra and just try and flush that plug out. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the, the plug is actually a bunch of loose sand and grit, and if we can kind of distend the urethra a little bit with this pulsing, we can flush it out or flush it back into the bladder or, yeah. or get the, the, the catheter past it. And once we do that, we're going to want to get that bladder drained as quickly as possible. We want to get that pressure out. We want to get the urine start flowing. In fact, there's a uh, syndrome commonly seen where the urine output will actually increase in these cats after you've unblocked them because mm. it's the body's way of kind of diuresing and getting rid of all the toxins that have built up. So okay. it can be uh, two to three times what you'd normally see. So we have to really watch the fluids coming out and make sure we're matching that with fluids coming in. Because even with IV fluids, they can still get dehydrated if they're putting out more kit, more urine than they're putting out. Yeah. Uh, one thing that can help with the pota- elevated potassium is insulin. Oh. Insulin actually drives potassium into the cells um, as one of its side effects. So uh, calcium gluconate can do that too. Yeah. Okay. A little bit of regular insulin, very short acting, lasts about 10 to 20 minutes. Hmm. We may need to give them a little dextrose with that too just to make sure they don't get um, hypoglycemic. Okay. Um, if the bladder is not intact, then we're going to probably have to go to surgery. Or if we can't get a catheter through that urethra, then we're going to do um, what's called a uh, subcut- uh, subcutaneous urethrostomy, where we're going to try and get a catheter, uh, basically sew the bladder up to the skin of the wall, the wall of the skin, the body wall. And we put a, a Foley catheter in there, just drain that bladder out, so the urine has a place to go until we can do a surgical procedure to oh, open up that urethra. Yeah. Uh, or if they've got stones, we're going to go in and take those stones out and get those analyzed um, so we can see how to manage that. Um, I remember doing one of those cystotomies on a cat when I was in my internship. And it's a really kind of interesting procedure. Hmm. 
once we've got the catheter in place, we're going to actually sew that catheter in so mm-hmm. it stays in there for at least a day, yeah. sometimes two or three days, depending on the cat. We're going to watch that urine and make sure it's coming out clear. Mm-hmm. We're going to take that opportunity while the cat's still sedated to flush that bladder out. Yeah. So we're going to just push sa- sterile saline in there, kind of mix it up a little bit, and then suck it out so we can try and get as much of that grit and material out that might be causing the obstruction. And that can take, you know, three to five to six flushes to really start getting clear. Um, once we see that the, the cat's urine is looking pretty good, we'll take the catheter out and watch them for another 12 to 24 hours to make sure that they're urinating on their own. There's a condition that can happen where their bladder gets very weak because of the obstruction. So we have to manually express that or just keep going in and draining that until their t- the muscle tone comes back and they can mm-hmm. urinate on their own. Um, we're going to try and give them analgesics because this yeah. is a very painful condition. Simbadol yes. or buprenorphine are very uh, useful. Simbadol is nice because it lasts a whole day. And just some sedation with a tranquilizer like acepromazine can also just reduce the stress mm-hmm. and promote urethral relaxation, make it easier for them to urinate too. Uh, Prazosin is another muscle relaxant that we'll use that works on the smooth muscle of the urethra. It's not all smooth muscle along the urethra, so it, it doesn't help the whole length, but it does help um, in part of it. So it, it can help with their urinating. Got to make sure you don't continue it too long because then they'll become incontinent. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that can be a possibility. And then we're going to put these cats, if they have crystals in their urine, on a prescription diet yeah. that prevents that formation from occurring. Uh, there's also a condition where the cats can get this um, uh, interstitial cystitis, which is a sterile cystitis. It's not related to crystals, related to stress and, and mucus is formed. Um, there are certain diets that can help prevent those from being a problem as well. Okay. Usually they don't cause obstructions with that. They just get a cystitis, but they can. Hmm. And when they do, then we're going to want to put them on these uh, diets that are high in antioxidants, the omega-3 fatty acids. And it doesn't cure the problem, but it certainly reduces the number of symptom-free days that yeah. they have. Prognosis is very guarded in these cats. A third of these cats are going to reblock within a month. Mm-hmm. And part of the problem is poor owner compliance on the diet. Yeah. They say, well, I'm feeding him the diet, but he doesn't eat that, so I put in a little food to get him to eat it. Mm-hmm. That's not the way it works. No. It has to be the only diet they get. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I tell people with these prescription diets, there seem to be much more dense in nutrients. And a lot of cats that get put on the CD, they feed them the same amount they were feeding of their regular food. They're going to get fat. They get fat. So it costs more, but you're feeding about half <laughs> as much as you would of uh, a regular diet. So mm-hmm. it kind of balances out a little bit. And if they are continuing getting blocked or it's the second or third time, we're going to recommend doing surgery. Mm-hmm. And the most common surgery we're doing is called a perineal urethrostomy. Yes. And we're basically removing the thin, skinny part of their urethra. And basically, it's it's a sex change operation mm-hmm. for the cat. I mean, yep. they're losing their boy parts and they're just Turned getting a, a nice little opening there. <laughs> uh, but it has a high complication rate. There's... Uh, Bladder infections that can occur because it's just more easier for bacteria to get in there. Mm-hmm. They can get strictures at the surgery site that can essentially block them up as well. Um, so it's it's a tough decision to make, and we just we we treat these cases very importantly. I've had mm-hmm. one time where the people just waited too long to do the PU, and the, the bladder had died, and yeah. the urethra was starting to die too from the pressure, yeah. and um, it just what there wasn't anything we could suture to to make a new opening. Yeah. And then one of your cases that you did um, is actually doing really well, Alfie. Yes. Um, who we renamed Alfina. <laughs> um, yes. He, he did fabulous. Um, but one of his complications is that the way his hair grows now, um, yeah. it grows into like the urethrocyte now. And so he has to come in about once a month for his 
man ladyscaping to get that hair removed. And like you can tell when he doesn't because the owners will call saying, I think he has another UTI. Yep. And he'll come in and we'll be like, well, his hair is blocking it yeah. again. We get that out. And then usually he pees on us. Uh-huh. And then we tell him, okay, he's doing great again. <laughs> um, well, we're removing a, a good uh, couple inches of the urethra. So when we're sewing that back to the skin, there's some tension on it. Mm-hmm. And if there's too much tension or the cat's fat, it's going to pull down yes. and it's going to cause that problem. But, you know, it, it can be managed. Yes. So, and it's been a couple of years or so, several years since oh, we've yeah. done this surgery. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to case of the week. And like I said, this is a, pretty much an all cat yeah. podcast this week. <laughs> um, earlier today, we had Valentino in the clinic. Yes. Valentino hasn't been here for about five years and he came in. His right side of his face was swollen. He's not been eating well. He's been acting a little lethargic. And this is a typical cat abscess. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two reasons why we'll see cat abscesses on the side of the face in cats. The most common is bite wounds. Yeah. Now, I did not see any puncture wounds when he clipped up his skin. The other would be from a bad tooth. Yeah. So basically when we have this abscess, it's just a pocket of pus filling up on our face. We have mm-hmm. to empty that out. So yeah. we sedate the cat, give him a clip, clip and clean up the area, and then we find the lowest part of that abscess. And I actually am going to make a little small incision in there with a scalpel so that we have a way for that fluid to drain out. Okay. We flush it out with an antiseptic, get him on some antibiotics. We also gave him some fluids because he was a little bit dehydrated. And his yeah. temperature was high. He was 103. Normal yeah. goes up to about 102 and a half. I'm not surprised at that fever. I looked at his teeth, and he did have a lot of inflammation around that upper back tooth. Okay. So I'm wondering if he might not be a tooth root abscess. We're going to get him on. The, we got him on the antibiotics. We're going to check him again in a week and see how that's looking. I was able to. I couldn't get them in for a full dental cleaning right now because our, our surgery is not available. But we were able to clip or crunch off some of the big pieces of tartar that were kind of trapping everything in there. Okay. So I'm hoping that might help. We'll get them in and then get them scheduled for a full dental. We'll see if we can save that tooth. But hopefully we'll get that abscess drained and treated and he'll be fine until we can get that going. Okay. If it if it keeps coming back, we may have to kind of get him in for more of an emergency dental procedure to do that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um Tech tips. Now, yes. since we're talking about cats peeing, <laughs> yes. I thought this would be a good week to talk about how people can pick the right litter box for mm-hmm. their cat. Because there's dozens, if not hundreds, hundreds of different of types them. of litter boxes out there. Yes. There's covered, there's self-cleaning, mm-hmm. there's uh, big, small, high edges, low edges. Yes. So when people are looking to get the right litter box for their cat, mm-hmm. what are some things they're doing? And there must be a reason why there's so many litter boxes out there. Some cats must like some litter boxes better than others. So a lot of options with litter boxes are, like you said, you know, cat preferences and a lot of times it is with owner preferences. It's with how many cats are in a house, you know, how big yeah. a cat is. Um, so we do have litter boxes that have low edges, um, which work out great for arthritic cats. Um, because a lot of times if they're having times reaching over that edge or even getting their full body over there, they'll just crouch next to the litter box right. and they'll poop and pee next to it. We see that happen a lot And some people seniors. think that it's a behavior issue, but it's a physical issue. They just mm-hmm. can't physically get into the litter box. They can't get over that edge of the litter box. So we do yeah. recommend a lot of times with senior pets, you know, to make us, you know, get a shorter litter box for them. And it doesn't have to be a senior cat. You can have a cat two, three, four years old with arthritis. Mm-hmm. Arthritis right. or just even like, um, you know, 
medical history, like her back or something. Right. Um, or obese. Yes. <laughs> um, so we do have see those with short edges. Um, sometimes we see people who need higher edge boxes. A lot of times I see that more so with like male cats because when they go to urine um, their stream could be a little hard. Ah. And so like if you can hear that stream and like they really push it out and it just goes over the edge if you have a short edge box. So some people would say I get the higher edge ones because it just helps keep it covered. Yeah. Or, you know, if you have cats who like to really kick that litter around, higher edges do work out really well yeah. for them. Or even um, covered ones would help out for those situations. Um, covered litter boxes also help for our shy poopers and peers. Um, for oh, a cat. Mm -hmm. I didn't know there was such a thing. Yeah, you have some cats, you know, especially when they're trying to get new associated with the house or things like that. And they do a lot of things in private until they get used to, you know, your routine, the house and everything like that. Um, so a lot of people won't see their cat go in and out the litter box because it's open and they'll see, you know, pee on the rug or poop on the shoe or something. And they say it's behavioral. Well, your cat's being a shy pooper and peer, so they're just going when they can. A lot of times if you get a covered box, you know, you're giving them that privacy to go. And that makes them feel a little better. Yeah. You know, that'll be like me telling you, Dr. Holstic, drop your pants down, poop. You'd be a little <laughs> shy okay. about that. She's not telling me to do that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> She's not doing it. No. But if he just went into somebody's house, you know, most people would be shy about that. Right. And it's not really a different towards a cat in a new environment. Um, a lot of times with these covered litter boxes, they are great for other people as well. They have covered ones with the opening on the tops. For cats who like to track litter around. So if you have cats ah. with long hair or something that get yeah. litter caught in their paws, they can jump in and they kind of look like the big um, moving uh, boxes with the lids that go on and the big plastic ones. But there's a hole on the top. And then they have like rigid edging. So when the cat jumps in, they can do whatever they want. And then when they go to jump out, their paws have to touch that rigid edging. So it kind of brushes the litter off. Ah. And so then the cat jumps over and out. And then you have less tracking for litter. Um, they do have a lot of other litter boxes that are hidden for people who don't want, you know, litter boxes out in the open. Right. You can have a, a cabinet litter box you can put in the bathroom. It looks like just an at a normal cabinet that you would put your towels and things in, but you open it up and there's a litter box in there. Um, I had a flower pot litter box, which I brought for our clinic cat here it looks like a big old pretty flower pot and you can yeah. put artificial flowers in it i put led lights in it and most people just think it's a flower pot and then people are like why is your cat messing with the flower pot and i'm like oh no if you turn it around there's an opening the cat can go in and poop and pee um and really cool things about these hidden ones is there's always like a um a filter area so you can um, change the filters so it kind of helped mask the odor as okay. well um so that's kind of one thing that helps with these covered boxes as well you don't have all the poop in the and if you have an actual out. plant the plants help clean out the odors too so yeah. you get a nice fern yeah. yeah um i didn't do a plant because my cat likes to chew on them <laughs> right. so i did plastic ones so i was able to spray with yuck spray <laughs> um but yeah he still chewed on those so that's why Castle has it okay. now. Um, but then another fun one is an automatic litter box. Um, so those I've can get those. pricey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're really cool depending on which brand you have and what type you have and you know what kind of cats you have. Um, so we do always recommend with people, if you're switching over with the automatic box, don't just do it cold turkey because a lot of cats will not just jump into a box that's making noise or... If you have the 
one that hooks into the water that flushes out yeah. um, because that makes a lot of noise. And for cats who don't like water, if they're hearing that water sound in their litter box, that's going to cause some behavioral issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always recommend to put the normal litter box next to the new automatic one so your cat can get used to it. Um, some automatic litter boxes come with their own specialized litter. Um, I have one, it comes with crystals instead of regular litter now. And to get my cat used to it, you're supposed to sprinkle some of their old litter into it so they get used to it Uh and everything. Um, My cat personally, uh, he jumped in it. He loved it because he likes the sound of the noise. I don't know why he is a weird cat, Um, but he'll literally jump in and out just because he knows the sensor will come on and it'll brush through and start going through the crystals. And literally, I'll just hear this... About 20, 40 times a day because he's just jumping in and out and just playing with it at this point. (laughs) Um, So my cat got used to the litter box great. Um, Not everyone's cat is going to do that. Um, So that one, my litter box is just a specialized crystal one. You plug it into the wall. It only uses electricity. There's one, I think this is like the most expensive one, that you actually have to hook um, into a water supply. So if you get this litter box, it has to go in the bathroom or next to a... um, the pipe, yeah. piping somewhere sink like the sink or washing or machine yeah. or something yeah and you have to actually plug it into that water supply because it senses when a cat leaves and it actually because this has specialized crystals too it actually takes water and flushes through and it's kind of like a toilet where it'll swirl it around and like filter out the urine and the poop and then put it into like a little reserve and so you just dump out the reserve or if you get the like premium one it actually flushes it out because the way you have it hooked up it actually dumps it out for you like a real toilet um i thought you know that's too fancy my cat doesn't get a better toilet than i do (laughs) but that is really cool and you know if someone has something like that great for them because you never really have to you know take care of the litter box you like there is going to be the maintenance where you have to keep up with the um crystals or you know maybe the cords or anything if the cat likes to play with it but that's a cool litter box and again just something that you have to slowly transition over if your cat's used to just a regular litter box put it on your amazon wish list yes Yes, because it's like a 300 dollars litter box Um, So, yeah, so there are a lot of fun options for litter boxes out there, Um, you know, to each their own. Everyone has their own reason for getting it. And, you know, I do know there are people who have, like, biodegradable litter boxes. Mm -hmm. Um, They put them outside in their yard for stray cats, which I thought was really cool. Um, So, you know, rain, sleet, hell, snow, it's just kind of biodegradable. So they don't really care about picking it up or the plastic or anything and they pick it up what they can and just put down a new one every week and i just thought that was really cool so for people who like things like that Mm -hmm. um so there are a lot of different type of litter boxes so do your homework things like that um i know they it's really gonna depend on what your cat likes the most so trying different ones is Mm -hmm. it can be the best way to figure that out so if you are having some problems Pick up with a couple different kinds of um, yeah. litter boxes. I think next time we're talking about different types of litter. Yeah, there's a lot of different types of litter. So we'll get into that a little bit more. But um, yeah, it may take some experimentation, but mm-hmm. usually you'll find something that can't, and not every cat's the same. No. That's why there's so many litter yeah. boxes. Yeah, you may need to have a few different types of litter boxes okay. in your house, which work out though. All right, well, that's some really good tips. So again, if your cat's having problems using a litter box or you want to try a different litter box, Introduce it slowly. Mm-hmm. Keep the old one there and see which how they prefer and, and try and get them going over and that'll work yeah. out 
should work out really well. And if you do get some of these self cleaning ones and they're working really well, let us know. We'd like yes, to hear please that. let us know. Send us some videos. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week. Yep. As always, please remember to subscribe on YouTube. And if you go click out a full screen below, Brittany is a little subscribe button. And then there's a little bell you, you click on to get notifications. If you're listening to us on the podcast, make sure you follow the podcast so you get the new episodes as soon as they're posted. Mm -hmm. Usually I'll post these uh, either Wednesday night or Thursday morning. Okay. And um, I'm, we're also, I'm looking at be getting like a Facebook page for us too. We have all the old episodes and stuff where people can check those out. Cool. All right. Um, and then next week we're going to talk about bladder stones and dogs. Okay. So it's uh, almost a similar thing. Dogs can get urinary obstructions too, especially male dogs. But bladder stones are a common thing and they are quite a variety of different ones that they get. So we'll talk mm -hmm. a little bit about those then. So that's it for this week. I'm Dr. Jim Hosek. We'll see you next time. Good night. You've been listening to The Pet Factor with Dr. Jim Hosek and Brittany Reeves.